CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition as we start up a brand new week. We just want to encourage you to give us a call. Perhaps you've been sharing your faith. You've been looking through the Bible, come across something you don't understand, or it looks like a contradiction. What you heard in church? Is it even in the Bible at all? Well, if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, live radio, and you can give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. We'll do our very best to get to your question today and give you what the Bible really has to say about that. And so we just want to encourage you to give us a call. We like to uh, set this time aside every weekday afternoon to just do this very thing, and that's to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. And so it's a great place to come, and we just want to encourage you, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. And joining me today, special guest, Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri Calvary Chapel. Hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. It's great to be with you today. Always a blessing to be with you. And uh, what's it like uh, in uh, Missouri? Is it snowing, raining, cold? Not yet. It's a bit deceptive. So today we had some sunshine, you know, about the mid-40s. But now, tomorrow, we've got, uh, it's supposed to turn after midnight tomorrow night. It's supposed to go down past freezing. And then all of a sudden, we're supposed to get four to eight inches of snow um, on Wednesday morning, just in time for church. <laughs> of course. So. <laughs> of course. That's, that's yeah. really yeah. something. Well, Scott, I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you you're you were able to make it here before the great snow flies. And so uh look forward to answering some questions with you. Yes, and um again, with that, we'll just go ahead and go right to the phones. We have Kayla, Texas, Dallas. Hi and welcome. Hello. Um Hi. I was just uh hi. I just had a question. Um uh I heard uh, I think it was Ray Comfort and he said that uh just like Jesus quoted, he said uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all men. Um, uh, I, I'm at work and I'm uh, telling my coworkers about Christ and um, at a gas station. And my boss says I can't do that. But um, when I was praying one night, God, His Holy Spirit, came to me and was very heavy upon me. And, and okay, because I was avoiding it with Him, but then His Holy Spirit. Um, as soon as I said, "Well, do I just preach it to everybody?" and then His Holy Spirit, boom, was like there and I was just like okay that's what I got to do and so I started to do it and I'm just I'm hearing different things like ever since then but I know that it just like Jephthah like the spirit came upon Jephthah um that's kind of how it was for me even though I don't understand exactly but his word does say go into all the world so I well here here's the thing dear we have to remember when we agree to sell our time to our employer for an hour, $20 an hour, whatever it might be, I am there to, you know, serve them. That's what I'm there for. That's why I get paid. I don't think it's wrong to share your faith, but never on company time unless there's, I think there's some special uh, instances where, but certainly on your lunch break, on your after work, things like that is good. Um, if you see somebody that's down, of course, direct them to uh, the Christian radios, KDKR there. 
in Dallas, Fort Worth and, and, uh, say, Hey, I heard some great words of hope, uh, and give them the frequency and, and tell them to tune in. I, I think we have to be careful, um, witnessing on how many time because they pay me to be there to do a job for them. And if they feel that I'm not doing that, yes, we are to go in the whole world, preach the gospel to every creature, but really as a missionary, yes, that's what we do. And true, we are all missionaries, but we want to do it without conflict. The Bible says that we are to, uh, uh, be careful with our bosses. We don't want to overstep our freedoms. All things are lawful, but not all things are the best for us. And certainly, um, I would, I would always encourage anyone, share your faith after work, before work, during lunch. Uh, but, uh, while we're paid to do a work job for them, um, I believe that's one of the things we have to be mindful of. Your thoughts. Mike, I agree 100%, and that was going to be my answer exactly. And, uh, you know, when you look in the Scriptures, Paul explains this to us. He explains it to us uh, really clearly in Ephesians chapter 6 um, and also Colossians chapter 3. He basically says the same thing, but in, in Ephesians 6 verse 5, he says, bond servants, and he's there, we would translate that today as employees, um, those who are working for someone else. Uh, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That means your earthly bosses with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. And then he says this, not with eye service. In other words, don't, you know, don't look busy at work only when the boss is looking, um, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to men. So really the Lord tells us through Paul, that as Mike said, when we are an employee uh, of of uh, a certain company or wherever we're working at, while we are on the clock, while we are being paid to do a job, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. In fact, we're supposed to work for our employers when we're on the clock and we're being paid just as if we were working for Jesus Christ himself. And, um, and so that's, that's pretty clear and pretty important because what we want to do is this. We don't want to give the world the idea. And especially when our bosses aren't Christians and things like that. Um, not only that, but especially when that's the case or we have other employees around us who aren't believers. We don't want to give them a reason to think that Christians are lazy or that Christians don't do their job or that Christians slack. And many times, you know, if, if we, um, you know, witness to people while we're on the job, while we're on the clock, when we're supposed to be doing a certain task or something like that, um, or maybe we're on the internet, you know, searching around for spiritual things or reading our Bible, um, people around us and especially our employer, especially if they're not Christian, um, can, can tend to think that that's what we're doing is we're slacking, we're being lazy. Um, and then all of a sudden now what happens is we actually give a negative testimony, uh, to people who don't know the Lord because, um, if it appears that unbelievers are better dedicated workers than Christians are, that actually, 
reflects bad upon our Lord. And so we don't want to do that. Now, I agree with Mike, you know, if you're on your lunch break or, you know, it's, it's it, your time. On your is, time. Yeah, on your yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Your time is yours after work or whatever. Oh, please obey the Holy Spirit. If, if he tells you to witness to somebody, then, then, you know, please do that. But I think it's important, very important for us that while we're on the clock, while we're there, supposed to be doing a job. Now, like how Mike put it, we're, we're, we're trading our time. Uh, you know, for, for money. Well, then we should be doing, um, we should be serving our, our physical masters just like we, we should be serving the Lord. We should be treating him with that, that kind of respect. And so we want to give off the best positive, um, uh, witness that we can. And the way to do that is to be a very good and hard worker. And the Bible, all through the Bible, uh, it, it teaches that, uh, that we as Christians, and as believers in God should be very, very good workers. And so, Mike. Amen. Hope that answers it for you, Kayla. Uh, thank you. Thank you all both. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay on the line. I'll send you out some things I think you'll really enjoy. Great for evangelism. Uh, and um, uh, the movie Jesus, God of Wonders, Evolution versus God. Lots of great things. I'll send them to you. Great for witnessing. And if you need more, let me know. Okay? Thank you, sir. God bless you, Kayla, and uh, keep going with Jesus. Let's go to Grace, Santa Rosa, California. Hi, welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How may we help? Um, I just have a question regarding um, spirit-led worship. What does the Bible say about it? Um, I also ask this because sometimes um, I'll be at church and we worship, and then I just feel the Holy Spirit come upon me. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the um, worship just stops. And then it makes me just obviously want to keep going. Um, I guess, what does the Bible say about spirit-led worship? Well, again, that's a very, very broad term, dear, because the Holy Spirit is accredited and blamed for a lot of stuff that, that he does not do. Um, I do know that during worship, um, man, I'll tell you, God can really minister in the songs. Um, it's always that wonderful part of just where it's like the Lord is just there in the worship service and I, and, and not just singing songs, but I mean, they really come alive. And that's a, a wonderful thing that God does. Uh, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So I, I look for that in a, in a really, uh, a, a true worship service. Now, when people say, what about spirit led worship? Well, that can be, uh, a, like I say, a real wide spectrum of thoughts and, and activities in that there are those that in the, being spirit led in those ways, uh, the Lord may move on, uh, even the pastor. I did this once in our church. Uh, I, after the worship was so amazing and so sweet, I got up before I ever opened the Bible and I said, the Lord is speaking to some of you here that you need to accept the Lord right now. And I had three people accept the Lord on a Sunday morning before I ever said anything. It was just the Holy Spirit was so present there, uh, you know. And and so, you know, whether we feel anything during a worship service or not, 
it's not really about me anyway. It's about giving the, you know, the Lord, the fruit of our lips and, and our praises. Um, but I, I, I have been in worship where it has just been so unbelievably sweet. It's just really great. Uh, and so your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I, I think we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, um, whenever we're worshiping the Lord. Uh, I know this, right? So in the book of James, uh, James told us in chapter four, he said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, here's something I've noticed, Mike. Um, I, I noticed that it has, it has less to do with the worship music and with the environment I'm in and more to do with me coming to church with a right mindset and with with this understanding that God promises me that no matter who's leading worship, no matter who's going to teach the Bible study today, no matter how many people are there, that whenever we do commence in worship, uh, whatever style, whatever way that is in, in different churches, that if I come with the attitude that I want to hear from the Lord today and I make that decision myself that, you know what, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to draw near to him with my heart by singing the songs I'm singing uh, that we're singing in the congregation. And I'm going to sing them from my heart. I have noticed that God is always faithful to meet me right there. Now, I do agree. There are some times, as Mike said, where the Holy Spirit just shows up and manifests himself in very powerful ways. That is something that we cannot control. That's just the move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've had down through the years, you know, we've had our church for 18 years now. And down through the history of our church, I can, I know of maybe about three times, uh, at the, and this is at the max, three times where, uh, the kind of the same thing happening. What Mike is saying is during worship, the Lord just speaks to me and says, Hey, yeah. open this service up for people to come up and receive prayer. And we've had the same thing happen. We've had people come up. We, in fact, we had one service where I didn't even get to teach because we had so many people who came up for prayer. We spent our whole morning that morning ministering, uh, to people who were coming for prayer. It was amazing. And, and people who were from other churches who were there were amazed by it. I mean, it was just the Holy Spirit. So sometimes that happens in the midst of the gathering together of the believers. You know, Jesus said, where two or three of you gather together in, I'm there in your midst or in the middle of you. So, you know, the Lord is with us. Whether we quote, feel him or not, or sense him or not, whenever we come together as believers to worship, um, because we're coming as the church and we're coming together in his presence, in his name, he's there. And it is wonderful when we do have those times of worship where, where the Holy Spirit just shows up and <laughs> does a sovereign thing, which I love that. But also, um, I think it's important, you know, for worship leaders and pastors, um, themselves that they need to be worshipers so that they can discern, uh, when the presence of the Lord is there in, in more of a manifested way, uh, than others so that we can, um, be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit's moving. I, I believe that. But also at the same time, I don't think we need to look at a church service where, where it looks to us like, it doesn't look like a lot of things are happening here. It looks like business is normal. It looks like church is normal. I think we never want to fall into that trap and think that, well, you know, we're really not worshiping in the spirit now because, you know, quote, the spirit's not moving. 
I think, I think if we all, and I've told my church this many times, if we all came with this attitude, believing what God's word really says, that if we'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. I don't think you'll ever have a church service where you don't experience the presence of God. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Grace, you know, sometimes too, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> sometimes I feel like, you know what? I wish we could just keep singing and singing and singing. Uh, because the presence of the Lord is there, you know? So I, I, I do feel what you're saying and, and get what you're saying. Uh, but at the same time, um, I, I do believe, and I think Mike will agree with me on this, that I, I think the primary purpose for us gathering together, number one, is to exalt God. It's to worship Him. And then number two, it is to edify each other. And one of the primary ways that is done and has been done throughout church history is through the teaching of God's word. And so, you know, when it comes to church, um, what what we need to get to is to hear from the Lord. And the best way we hear from the Lord is not through, you know, just the move of the Holy Spirit in our in our congregation when we worship, but it's actually opening our Bibles and reading them and hearing it uh, uh, exposited, hearing it taught for us. And so, hey, anytime I go to church and I can hear the Word of God being taught and hear the Lord speak to me through that, it's a good service, and and it, it was a spiritual service. So, Mike? Hope that answers it for you, Grace. Yes, that was so good. Thank you. Um, also, I have one more question. Yes. Um, what is the role of women in the church, for the church, I guess? Well, I think that without women in the church, churches would be pretty anemic. I, I thank God for every, every lady that ministers in our fellowship. And I know that, uh, every pastor listening can say a hearty amen to that. Yeah. The Bible says the older women are to teach the younger women. Um, that doesn't mean that a woman cannot speak to a man or, or whatever. But as far as being a senior pastor of a church, uh, Paul tells Timothy that he would not allow a woman to usurp the authority of a man. Now, whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, you never find a woman pastor of a church or a woman priest serving Yahweh in the Old Testament. So based upon uh, scriptural consistency, you have to then realize that God made women in a very unique way, not better than men, not less than men, but that they have their roles and we have ours. The idea today that we're all unisex, there's no man, there's no woman, we have a lot of trouble with that. Now, we all come to Christ the same way, whether bond or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile, we all come to Christ the same way. But we also all have different roles within the church that we want to fulfill well. That's why the Bible says he's put deacons and elders and apostles and all this in the church. It doesn't mean an apostle is a deacon. It doesn't mean a deacon is an apostle. Um, and just as there are those roles, I believe when it comes to male and female, we find that outlined in the Scripture. And again, Paul cites that it was not a cultural thing for women not being pastors of churches, it's that it's that that she was deceived by Satan. Adam willfully rebelled against God when he ate of the tree. She was fooled, and I I believe that there are 
many, many cults that have been started by women, especially, uh, who take obvious things that the scripture says and twist them into something else. You have Ellen G. White saying that the mark of the beast is worshiping on Sunday. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. It says it's a mark, like a tattoo on your hand or on your forehead in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, but it's just heresy. And, and you'll find this many times. I remember years ago, there was a fortune teller named Gene Dixon. And, and again, in the spiritual realm, and she, uh, I believe there was some bragging rights there that she was 80% accurate. Well, that's not our God. Our God is 100% accurate. Your thoughts? Mike, you're exactly right. And, you know, when you look in Scripture, um, you know, I've, I've said it this way many times when I studied the Bible. I've noticed uh, that ministry is a lot like marriage. <laughs> and what I, what I, one of the ways I mean by that is this, is, you know, in marriage, a man and a woman are co-equals. Um, you know, Paul told uh, the Ephesians that what they should do is they should mutually submit to one another. Um, in the fear of Christ, because a man and a woman are brother and sister in the Lord. Uh, you know, husband and wife, if they're both Christians, they're brother and sisters in the Lord. So, so they have equal value before the Lord as husband and wife. But when it comes to roles and responsibilities, that's a whole different subject. And so though Paul does say, as Mike quoted uh, in Galatians, where he says that there is neither male nor female in Jesus Christ, that's true. Uh, male or female has it has no more value than, than the other uh, in Jesus Christ. We're all saved the same way and we're all equal in Christ. But when it comes to roles and responsibilities in the church, there are those differentiate, uh, different, differentiations. <laughs> uh, there, there's different roles and responsibilities. And the role of leadership, the role of a pastor, which is an overseer, the role of, uh, of elders, and also Paul would even tell Timothy that the role of deacons, uh, those who are leading the church, both spiritually and leading the church in uh, in physical ways and taking care of them like deacons do. Uh, Paul actually told Timothy that these were all to be men who were husbands of one wife, uh, not one wife of no, not a wife of one husband, uh, meaning that it was to be male leadership. And so we, we do see that along with all the other things that, that Pastor Mike shared there. Um, but when it comes to what can women do in the church? Well, you know, women can do almost, almost everything a man can do in church, except again, they are not to be the leaders of the church that is given to, uh, to the males. And, uh, and we see the same thing in marriage. So what's interesting is a woman can, uh, can teach other women. Uh, a woman can teach children and women can serve and take, uh, you know, a feel important, uh, positions in the church where, where people are needed to serve and to volunteer and to help and do all that. They can do all of that. And, uh, in fact, even in our church, we even have some, some of our ministry leaders. Now, these aren't, these aren't leaders as in elders and deacons and, and pastors. Uh, but we have women in our church that actually lead different ministries. Um, you know, so, um, I think even that's okay. But the main thing we're looking at here 
is that a woman is is not usurping, as Mike said, uh, the the authority of a male, which Paul makes very clearly or makes very clear to to Timothy. So other than that, women can can serve right along with men in the church. So, Pastor Mike, hope that helps. Yes, thank you. Grace send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Like I say, keep up sharing the good word. And if you need anything else, be here to help you in whatever we can do. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Bill in Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hello. How are you folks doing today? Good. How may we help? So I, got a, I got an unusual question. I want to start by saying, first of all, I love CSN Radio. I love you guys. And I love Calvary Chapel. And my question is more toward uh, Calvary Chapel churches. I've been to several in my life. I attend one right now in Green Valley here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And mm-hmm. I have friends who have uh, been to Calvary Chapel churches. We never see minority pastors. We never see them. And I'm just curious, is there a reason why? Well, actually, actually, uh, Raul Reese, as an example, um, uh, with a Spanish uh, background, of course, his name implies that, He's not only on CSN, but he pastors uh, Calvary Chapel of Diamond Bar, a very large uh, Calvary Chapel. We just had his son, Ryan Reese, speak at uh, the River Christian Fellowship yesterday in Twin Falls. Um, and Ryan has been filling in for his dad. Uh, we were just really, uh, really glad to have Ryan come and be with us. Um, but Ryan's there. And then, of course, you know, we have others as well that are out there. I know that uh, at, um, well, I'll let you answer that question. Sure. Yeah, I, I know for a fact, I mean, especially on the West Coast and down South, I know there are a lot of Hispanic Calvary Chapel pastors. I know a, I know many of the larger Calvary Chapels who actually have like like Spanish ministries and different ministries to different minorities and those pastors that minister to those people are are of the same eth- ethnicity. Um, right off the top of my head, Mike, I can I can I can name uh, you know three um, black Calvary Chapel pastors I know. Pastor Tony Clark out at Calvary Chapel in Newport News, uh, Virginia. Uh, there's Pastor Al Pittman in Colorado Springs. Uh, both are black men and are excellent. Bible teachers and preachers. So, um, you know, my experience has been when, whenever I have went, I still go, uh, to pastors conferences all over the country, uh, with Calvary Chapel. You know, I, I see them every, every color and ethnicity, uh, that are there that are serving the Lord in their churches as pastors and assistant pastors. So Mike, hope that helps. It does. And, and I'm glad to hear that because like I said, I love Calvary Chapel. I, I think the, the whole network is great. Um, I, I follow uh, Alyssa Dan Markell. I know she's big with, with Calvary Chapel. Um, I know you're going on the break because I got another I got another request. So should I wait? Well, we'll come time? back, Bill, on the other side of the break, and uh, we don't want you to go away. And uh, we'll pick up that question when we come back. And as we said, we are coming up on that break. No one go away. We'll have more coming up right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. 
It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Tragically, every minute, unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence. But amid the darkness, there is a light that shines. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees a precious life, the majority of the time, she will choose life. I got to hear how strong her heart was I was like I felt like she was supposed to be here and it didn't matter what anybody else told me and all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry a life inside of my body and that baby was supposed to be here for something and that was all that mattered. Preborn equips centers nationwide to save babies lives and souls and has rescued over 200,000 babies lives through ultrasound. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn call 855-668-BABY that's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. going to go back to uh, Bill and his question. Hi. Yeah, hi. So you guys did answer my question, and I appreciate your answer. I really do. Uh, once again, I just wanted to say we, we love you guys. We listen to you guys every weekday. And I, I've learned so much from, from you guys, Mike, and from your guest host that you have on the radio. I have a request for my wife's niece. She went into the hospital today for a procedure, and they had to uh, uh, um, they had to put her on a breathing machine because she stopped breathing and they had to, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, when you uh, bring somebody back, they had to, um, you know, they had to bring her back. And right now she's still on the breathing machine, so we need prayer. We need the, we need all the saints to pray for my wife. Well, what's her wrong? Name is Dorothy. Okay, what, what's wrong? We, we don't know. We don't, we don't know what happened. She went in for a procedure they were doing a procedure. She was, everything was fine. And all of a sudden she stopped breathing and they had to, they, they had to um, get her back breathing and then rushed her to the hospital. And right now she's on a breathing machine and we don't know what happened. Nobody knows well, what let's, happened. Bill, let's pray for Dorothy right now. Okay. Everybody, let's just pray and lift her up. Father, we just lift up Dorothy to you, Lord. We don't know what's wrong. The doctors probably don't know what's wrong, but you do. And so, Father, one who heals, would you extend your hand of healing to this woman and raise her up, Father? God, give the doctors wisdom on what caused it and, Lord, the remedy. And so we ask you, Lord, to comfort, just just ask you to comfort Bill's heart and give him, um, give him peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wow. appreciate you guys so much. I really do. Well, Bill, I'm, I'm, and, I appreciate you, and um, and uh, look forward to uh, 
hearing what what happens here. That's a pretty tough thing when you when you go into the hospital for one thing and you end up with a whole another set of problems. So, mm. yeah, stay on line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Okay. Yeah, and also too over the next uh, few days or so, um, when we find out what's going on, I'll give you folks an update. Wonderful. Well, that's wonderful, Bill. God bless you. If there's anything we can do, please let us know. Let's go to Alberto in Georgia. Hi, welcome. Yes, good evening, gentlemen. My question well, is: May we help? Uh, the Bible teaches. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, yeah, the question is: the question is, um, the God teaches the God is immutable. The Bible teaches that. Now, how come in Deuteronomy thirty-two twenty-one teaches that, that Israel moved God to jealousy and anger? So apparently, so the Bible, the Bible says in Malachi three six, God changes not, but apparently Israel sin moved God to jealousy and anger. So, can you explain that for me, please? Okay, Scott, your thoughts. Yeah, well, that's a great question, and actually, I think your question is actually answered in Deuteronomy chapter five where Moses lists for Israel the Ten Commandments that God had given to him on the mountain on Mount Sinai to give to Israel. And it actually is concerning, and your question here is really concerning idol worship. When you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 in verse 7, the Lord said in the Ten Commandments, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image in a likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is, that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. And then the Lord tells us why. He said, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So right there, the Lord tells us that he is a jealous God. Now, what does that mean? Well, I can tell you right now that Oprah Winfrey didn't understand what this meant because one time she spoke publicly and very, uh, very openly about how she gave up on her Baptist faith because when she went to the Baptist church, she heard scriptures like this and she said, well, if God is jealous of me, well, why would I want to serve a God who's jealous of me? You know, being jealous of somebody is not a, is, is not a, a good trait. You know, that's a, that's a bad quality. Well, she didn't understand what this scripture means. When the Bible says that God's a jealous God, it doesn't mean that he is jealous of us as if there's something we have that he doesn't or something like that. In other words, it means this. Rather, it means he's jealous for us. In other words, God is jealous for his own people out of love. He loves his own people so much that he wants his people his own people, to be for him and for him only. That's why this statement about him being a jealous God is attached to the command to not worship idols or not worship false gods. So what's interesting is when we look through the Old Testament and we see God's relationship with Israel, here's what we see. We see that God equated idol worship, that he equated his people, the Israelites, Worshipping false gods and worshipping the idols of the pagan nations, God considered that to be spiritual adultery. He calls it spiritual harlotry. So it's kind of like this. I'm a, I'm a husband, 
And I love my, I'm married. I love my wife with all my heart. I, 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 there's nothing I would not do for her. I would give my life for her, right? Just like Jesus gave his life for us as believers as he gave his life for the church. I love my wife, but you know what I'm not willing to do? I am not willing to share my wife with anyone. I am jealous, not of my wife. I'm jealous for my wife. A, a husband who really loves his wife is going to have a jealousy in his heart if she goes to be with another man. Any husband who claims he loves his wife but says, honey, you know what? It's okay. You go ahead and date other men. Let's have an open relationship. You can go ahead and date who you want. That man is only proving he doesn't truly love his wife. And so it's the same way with the Lord and us. God loves his people, and because he loves his people, he is jealous for us, or we could say he's jealous over us, in that he wants to be our only God, because love must be reciprocated. God created us with the ability to accept him or reject him, to love him or to hate him. And so when we say we love God, or let me say it this way, because God loved us, he wants that love to be reciprocated. He wants us to love him freely and the only way to do that is, you know, for us to choose to to love him and to serve him. But when we go, you know, as you know, it says in the Old Testament that we go whoring around with with other gods and, and pagan idols and things like that, we're committing spiritual adultery against God. So j just as a husband would not allow his wife, a man who loves his wife, to let her, you know, date and see other men and have relationships with other men. God feels the same way about us spiritually. So he loves us. We reciprocate that love by loving him back. And if we truly love him, then we're not going to worship false gods and put other gods before him. So the jealousy there is not a thing where God is jealous of us, or it's not even a case either where God just turned to jealous, like the Israelites didn't obey him, and then all of a sudden he got mad and got jealous uh, at him. It, it wasn't like that. God told them from the very beginning of his relationship with them at Mount Sinai, when they became his people, when he gave them their, gave them their law, he told them, I am a jealous God. Because I love you, and if you love me, then I need you to be committed to me and not worship these other false gods. And so that would be the proof of their love would be to not commit idol worship and worship other gods, but worship him only. And so we can take that same relationship God had with Israel, and we can bring it right into the New Testament and, and relate it to Christ in the church. It should be the, the, the same way. Jesus loves us so much. He gave his life for us. And we show that love back to him by serving him and him only and being committed uh, to this relationship with him and uh, not following other gods or believing in other you know belief systems and such like that. So, Pastor Mike? Yeah. What we're reading here in uh, Deuteronomy 32 is the Song of Moses. Moses, having led the children of Israel out of Egypt, knew how fickle the people really were. You can take the people out of Egypt, but it's only God that can take Egypt out of the people. And what we find here is knowing how quickly they will uh, th forsake the relationship with God. This is really issued as a warning. Now, again, jealousy is a weird word, and it's too bad that Ophrah and some of these other people do not uh, look at the context. Yeah. God wants you all to himself, and he doesn't want to share you with anyone. That's a good thing. 
<laughs> That's the kind of love you need. That's called unconditional love. The problem is, is that when we go after other things, we begin to accredit the things that happen to our life uh, by my wisdom or my PhD or or my friends or my money or my my luck, if you will. Not God. And this is why I believe God then, as we find here, says that he's a jealous God. And they were deliberately doing things to provoke God. And really, this is a prophecy, if you will, for the nation of Israel from Moses, knowing how they were as he led them out of Egypt. He knew what they were like, and he gives this this declaration, really, that you always want to provoke God to his wrath. Why? And so this is the, the, the understanding then. It isn't that God changed it all. It's simply making a statement. I want you all to myself. I don't want to share you with anyone. You're the best. And again, anything that gets in the way of that is idolatry. And we have to be very, very careful because the root of idolatry is pride. I will choose what I'm going to do, not God. Hope that helps, Alberto. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless you. Stay on the line if you like. Send you out a couple books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy that. With that, we'll go to Sandy in Montana. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How may we help? I need prayers um, for health circumstances. The situation that I live under is not good, it's not healthy, and because of that, it is causing me health situations. I ended up in a hospital last week for three days because of the circumstances that I live under, and um, nothing good's coming out of it. And also, too, I need a miracle of $25,000 for the Lord's uh, blessing with my hospital bill that we will... I have to pay out of pocket that um, the Lord will take care of it for us. Well, man, I'll tell you, a lot to pray about. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Do we want to go ahead and just pray for her, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sandy, let's let's pray for you together here. Father, yes. we come to you in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. And Lord, you told us, your your son told us, that our Father in Heaven knows what we need even before we ask, and that if He provides food for the birds of the air and grass for the field, will He not much more provide what we need? And Father, we believe that. And Lord, we lift Sandy up. And Lord, you know Sandy's situation. You know what she's going through. Father, we ask you right now that you would put all of your attention right now upon her. Father, we ask that yes. you would help her, Lord, with whatever this situation that she's in. I pray, Father, that you would give her wisdom, Lord, to be able to deal with the situation that she's in, that uh, you would help her make decisions, that you would help her to think clearly and be able to uh, to receive all the information she needs to be able to make good decisions. We pray for that for her. And Father, we pray that whatever it is that she can do, that you would help her and show her what to do. And Father, everything else, Lord, that she cannot do, we are so thankful that we have you who can do above and beyond and exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask or think. And so, Father, we ask right now 
Father, that you would just touch Sandy. Father, we pray that you would uh, bring peace to her mind. Lord, your word tells us that uh, we should not worry, but pray about everything. And I pray for Sandy that you would help her, Father, to cry out to you from a heart with her whole heart and just roll these burdens and these cares over onto you. Father, and I pray as she does that, that you would give her peace. I pray you would even give her your peace right now that passes all understanding. And Father, we ask for that for her in the situation she's in, that you would give her that peace that she needs. And Father, we also pray and we also ask, Lord, that you would, uh, you would, in giving her peace, that you would just calm her down, that Lord, her stress level would lower, and that Father, that she would uh, be able to uh, recover from whatever it is that put her in the hospital. We ask for healing there. And Lord, as far as her need for money, Lord, we ask you to provide. Yes. Father, you can give her the money she needs, or Lord, you can pay the bill, or you can, Lord, there's so much that you can do to take care of this. And so we together, uh, Lord, lift her up and ask you just to, just to put your attention upon her. And would you bless her and would you meet her needs, Lord, and show her, Father, that you have not left her nor forsaken her, but Lord, you are there with her through this. And so we commit her to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sandy, we'll we'll see what great things God will do. Yeah, what happened was I was having severe stomach pain, and I ended up having to go to the emergency room, and they did x-rays and EKG, found out that my small intestine was blocked, and they gave me some very nasty stuff to take. They took x-rays and all that, and found out that I would not have to have surgery. The Lord opened up my intestines so I didn't have to have surgery because I was in so much pain. And all I did was basically the time I was in the hospital was go to the bathroom and sleep because they kept me on pain medicine. Well, God is good, dear. We'll see what great things God does. I know he's going to take care of not only you, but all of us. So we have much to be thankful for. Stay on the line, dear. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I know you'll enjoy uh, the movie Jesus as well. And with that, we'll go to Terry, Festus, Missouri. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, recently, while reading from John 6, I felt a bit confused by what seemed to be contradictory statements, especially since recently, an acquaintance was defending his Calvinist beliefs. Verse 43, for example, says we must be drawn by God. Verse 65 says we must be enabled by him. Other scripture, Paul mentions uh, predestination. And I'm not sure how to deal with those statements, especially when I'm communicating with uh, other folks that maybe don't have it quite right. Well, one of the things you have to realize is that God is drawing everyone everywhere. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So in that verse, John 3.16, God has given an open blanket uh, invitation to everyone. If you go to Revelation chapter 22, it says, uh, the bride says, come. All those are, it's an open invitation. God is calling everybody but not everybody is calling on God. And so the thing is, when it says, well, you can't come to God unless, unless when you stop to realize that God has called everyone, go preach the gospel to every creature. 
Um, I believe that again, uh, those are, are such important, uh, parts of, of understanding this. Yes, it's true. It's by God's grace. Any of us are saved. It's by God's grace that any of us figure out salvation and figure out we need our sins forgiven. But the invitation is to everyone. And I believe this is extremely important when we come to these verses, because again, when we see the word predestined, that is from God's perspective. God knows what decisions every person on this earth is going to make. God does not learn. But just because God knows the ultimate outcome of my life does not stop me or anybody else from making the decisions that we make. So how important is it then we make decisions based upon what God will bless rather than what God will curse? Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because when you look and see what Jesus has to say in John chapter 16, if you go 10 chapters ahead— uh, Jesus talked about the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. And he actually said that uh, when the Holy Spirit comes in verse 8, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So what's interesting is Jesus actually tells us that the role of the Holy Spirit in the world is first, the, the the first relationship that a true Christian has with the Holy Spirit is when he's an unbeliever. It's the Holy Spirit, as exactly what Jesus said in John 6, drawing people to the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm a firm believer. Listen, unless the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus, there ain't nobody getting saved. You, you can sit down with a unregenerated uh, unbeliever who... Um, you know, and you can sit down with them and you can try to explain the whole Bible to them. And unless the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, opens their heart. Uh, if you remember when it came to, uh, Lydia, uh, in Philippi in, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that God opened her heart to heed the words of Paul. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually tells us that that's the role of the Holy Spirit in the world. He comes into the world to draw people to God the Father whenever they hear the gospel of Christ. And so there's there's no contradictory here, um, you know, between Bible verses. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, hey, there are some things, right, like, like most things, there are some things that Calvinists believe and hold that have truth to them, and this is one of them, you know. But as Mike said, when we, when we look at the Bible, we see that Jesus didn't just die for the elect. He died for everyone. Um, in fact, in first John chapter two, the Bible actually tells us concerning Jesus Christ. It says that he is the propitiation for our sins, speaking of Christians and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So there's one verse right there that makes it very clear that Jesus didn't die for just a few select people or let's say a few elect people. He died for the sins of the whole world. He provided for salvation for the whole world. Now, is the whole world going to be saved? No. Why? Exactly what Mike said. They're not, they're all not going to respond to the gospel in, in belief and in faith. They're all not going to take heed when the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, when the gospel is given to them. So the Holy Spirit is very vitally important uh, uh, for a person to come to Christ. In fact, Jesus called, uh, you know, uh, putting faith in Christ, Jesus called it being born again. 
Okay, being born again, according to Jesus' words in John 3, literally means to be born from above. And if you continue reading, Jesus qualifies what he means by being born again because Nicodemus didn't understand it. He said, those who are born of the Spirit. And so the only way we can become born again and come into a relationship with God through Christ is is by hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel in faith. And it's the Holy Spirit then who comes into us and makes us a new person, makes us born again. So without the work of the Holy Spirit, no one gets saved. That is, that's true. That's important. Now, I don't believe what a lot of Calvinists believe, which most Calvinists believe, right? That the Holy Spirit has to regenerate a person first and then they can get saved. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus simply said that it's the Holy Spirit who convicts the world, who convinces the world of three things, sin, that we're sinners, righteousness, that the only way to get right with God is through faith in Christ, and judgment, that if we don't repent, then judgment's to come, and we're going to face that. But it takes, as we hear the gospel, it takes the Holy Spirit working with the preaching of the gospel on a person's heart to draw them to the Father. So hopefully that kind of helps put it together, because I know when you do look at these verses, and it depends on, too, it depends on the light that people put those verses in, uh, the background in which they introduce them, it, they can make it look like they're say, it's saying this when really it's not. So um, I, I think it's very important to understand that um, the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is necessary for a person to get saved. Yes. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that he's drawing, you know, some and not others. Jesus died for some and not others. The Bible doesn't say that at all. Pastor Mike? No, in fact, the Bible says opposite to that. For God yes. so loved the world. It doesn't say the predestinated ones yeah. or anything like that. But this is where you find cults and tangents in the family of God. They take a couple of verses and build theologies completely, completely mm -hmm. disregarding the other verses that bring clarity to that thought or understanding. Yes, it is true. None of us come to God. None of us come to God without the Holy Spirit. But God is calling everyone, for God yes. so loved the world. Now, because of that, what am I going to do with that invitation? And people will come up with their excuses not to believe. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded their eyes so they will not receive what God has given them. So I believe that, again, a person who thinks has to really realize, hey, am I going to live forever? No. If there's a chance one in a hundred billion that there might be life after death, and I'm going to give an account of my life, where does that leave me? And I believe when we start asking just basic, simple questions of life and death, we have to come to a conclusion that life is bigger than we are. Um, Jim Carrey <laughs> Uh, some of you know who he is. He says, I wish every person could have as much money as they wanted and do all the things they want to do so they can find out that life is not consistent of those things. Yeah. That, In other words, life is is not in what you do or how much money you've got. Surely he probably would know that. And so when we look at that, there's a, a day of reckoning that comes, and we have to be sensitive towards that. And I hope that answers it for you, Terry. I believe we're out yeah, of time. I don't hear it. Okay. Well, God bless you all. Uh, call us back if you didn't get on today. Thanks, uh, Scott, for being on. God bless you all.
To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 